Welcome to The John Chapman Show, where we talk about retirement readiness, strategies to help you grow and preserve your wealth so that you get the most from life with the money you do have. Are you on track? John is an employee of WorthPoint LLC. All opinions expressed by John and podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of WorthPoint. This podcast should not be relied upon for investment decisions and is for informational purposes only. What are some of your perceptions about what it's like to work with a financial advisor and plan for retirement? Well, on today's episode, I'm going to share the five biggest retirement myths and the realities around how you should be thinking about your financial situation. Be sure to subscribe to the show. You can leave a comment or a rating, or you can reach out to me directly at thejohnchapmanshow at gmail.com. And with that, let's dive in to today's Plan episode. for retirement. I realize there are a lot of myths floating out there about the retirement planning process. So here are the five biggest myths and what you can do about it. Let's dive in. Myth number one, a financial advisor will help me pick stocks to beat the market. While that may have been the case or what people thought was the case decades in the past, this is simply wrong. This would be like going to your doctor thinking that you won't get sick for the rest of your life. That's the wrong frame of reference. So while investments are important, they're just one slice of the pie when it comes to your financial health. And a financial advisor's job should actually first and foremost be to be a fiduciary, someone who has your best interest in mind and works to integrate the five pillars of financial planning, which are number one, retirement planning, number two, investment management, number three, tax planning, number four, insurance planning, and number five, estate planning. And it's the advisor's job to work these all into and integrate them into your situation. An advisor should also give you a real-time view of your cash flow and your balance sheet. An advisor should project off into the future a roadmap to give you advice so that you can steer your finances in the right way. And ultimately then come up with a diversified mix of investments to help you reach your goals, but also sleep at night. Which is why we talk a lot about having the right risk tolerance, the right mix of stocks and bonds. And it's not just about trying to beat the market, but rather take what the market can give us in a way that helps you get financial peace of mind and, and allows for you to sleep at night. In addition, the advisor should know your goals and your family and set appropriate expectations about the future and really try to give you a heads up about things that you might be missing or not aware of so that ultimately you can tackle any unexpected changes and stay on track for the future. Myth number two, I need to invest in dividend stocks so I can spend the dividends and keep the principal. Well, this conceptually makes sense. Um, but it's actually far from optimal given how low interest rates are. The average dividend yield of a large company in the S&P 500 is extremely low, at least as of recording this in the middle of 2020. And the dividend yield for the S&P 500 is less than 2%. And compare that to Bill Bengen's traditional 4% withdrawal rate for a diversified portfolio for someone in retirement. So this type of thinking undermines the importance of a diversified mix of stocks and bonds to lower your overall risk. This type of strategy also ignores the complexity to income planning, since we'd also really need to consider someone's social security and potentially their pension income or rental real estate income. 
So it's not just as easy at picking a handful of stocks and receiving dividend income. You can avoid this headache in a low interest rate environment with extreme market volatility by actually having a system in place, which I call a bucket system, to provide you income from various parts of your portfolio and growth from others. Having worked with folks that have tried to implement investing in dividend stocks and only spending the income, what we actually see in practice is a portfolio of all stocks that's way too risky for their appetite and produces a lot lower income than they previously thought of. Which is why I advocate for having a portfolio of low-cost funds with stocks and bonds that allows for you to be comfortable with your risk tolerance and also allows for you to sell some of the growth in stocks since much of the growth in the stock market comes from just price appreciation rather than from income from dividends. And this strategy allows for you to be able to, to capture some dividends, yes, but also sell some shares that have been growing. And that way you package that all together and send yourself income so that you can spend it regularly in your retirement years. Myth number three, my tax rate will be lower in retirement. Well, while this could happen, the reality is, is that the bulk of most people's savings is in the form of retirement accounts like 401ks and IRAs, which are taxable when you take that money out, just like ordinary income from your paycheck. And, you know, during your working years, most families have 401k contributions, so they deduct from their paycheck, and most people have itemized deductions. And so these two factors can greatly reduce their taxable income. But in retirement... Fewer people have itemized deductions, and if you're not contributing to a retirement plan, you don't have those types of deductions either. So in retirement, most people pay the brunt of the taxes owed, and there's not a big difference between their adjusted gross income and their taxable income. Add to this scenario the potential for higher tax rates in the future, and there's definitely a case to be made that your taxes won't be any less than where they are today, and potentially they could be even higher. So as a result, you just need to be planning ahead and diversifying your investments, not just by what, what you're buying, but also by what account you're using and have things in the three different accounts. One, your non-retirement account, your brokerage account, two, your tax-deferred or pre-tax 401k or traditional IRA, and number three, a tax-free Roth IRA or Roth 401k. And this type of strategy will help you better manage how you take income from your portfolio in the future and potentially give you a lot more options to manage taxes in the future. Myth number four, I can easily self-insure against a long-term care event. Hmm, well, let's consider the fact that people are living longer than ever and that healthcare costs are growing way faster than inflation. And the reality is, is that most people are woefully underestimating the future healthcare costs. So in the world of insurance, we need to talk about a term called ADL or activities of daily living. Um, and ADLs are just simple things. They're like getting out of bed, putting clothes on, or going to the bathroom. And, and once you get old enough in the future to not be able to do one or two of these, that's what sparks a long-term care event where you really need someone to step in to provide care for you to just do the most basic things in life. So as of 2020, a long-term care 
location, if you're living outside your home, or even if you're getting uh, assistance inside your home, could cost anywhere between $4,000 up to $10,000. And on average, someone who needs long-term care will need it for at least three years before they eventually get so old that they pass away. So just even in today's dollars, the bare bones cost of care could be around $150,000. That would be four grand a month for a little over three years. But fast forward a decade or two when you are older and you need care and you could easily spend over $500,000 just on healthcare expenses in your final years of life, which means you need to consider adding long-term care insurance into your plan right now. Now, most people think long-term care insurance is too expensive, but I'll tell you it's probably not as bad as you're thinking. And most people struggle with not understanding how it works, but we should seek out advice from a trusted source so that it can be incorporated into a plan. On top of all of this, even for those people who have millions of dollars, they need to consider, one, the potential liquidation burden of taking out money from your assets. That would be like taking money out of an IRA or selling stocks. Think about the potential tax impact on that. And think about the psychological impact for family members having to withdraw that money to then pay for care. <laughs> and just those two reasons alone can be enough to warrant a long-term care insurance policy. So again, it's not just whether or not I'm going to self-insure or not. It should be rather thinking about, hmm, how much long-term care insurance can I or should I incorporate into my plan? Last but not least, myth number five, my situation is simple and when I pass away, my family will equally split my assets. Hmm. Well, most families actually require some form of estate planning, and it is not just for the super wealthy. Documents like an advanced healthcare directive, a power of attorney, a will, and a trust, these can be vital to avoid major headaches, even for somebody as young as age 22. But more specifically, even when you get married or have children or purchase a home, these are life events that should be reminders to you that you need to either start or update your estate plan. Let's take one quick example. Let's pretend a married couple lives in California, where I am, and they both pass away without an estate plan. And the situation can actually get really complex and expensive really quickly, even if you didn't intend for it to. In this situation, the kids would have to go to probate court and pay legal fees. And the fees would be approximately 5 to 8% of whatever the home is worth. So on a million-dollar home, that could be fifty dollars to $80,000 in legal fees just to get the home from mom and dad's name to the children's name. Or, or what if you get sick or injured and become incapacitated? Could your spouse refinance or even just talk to the hospital about your medical records? So these are all things that need to be considered, which is why you have to be proactive and talk, to an, ex talk with an experienced estate planning attorney about your specific situation. All right, gang, we covered it. And just to recap, here are the five myths about retirement planning and the realities surrounding them and what you can do about it. Myth number one, my advisor will pick stocks to beat the market. 
And simply put, no. An advisor should be there to actually be a fiduciary, helping with planning and goal setting uh, and asset allocation, integrating tax insurance and estate planning into your situation. Myth number two, I should buy dividend stocks to spend the income and keep the principal. No, it's just simply too volatile and too low of a yield environment. And so what's better is to have a diversified mix of stocks and bonds so that you can rebalance over time, take some of the growth and some of the income and spend it when you need it. Myth number three, my tax rate will be lower in retirement. And it likely won't be simply because you won't have as many deductions and most of your income might come from a pre-tax source, which means you need to think ahead and invest in a non-retirement account, a pre-tax account, and a tax-free account in order to be best prepared for the future. Myth number four, I can self-insure against long-term care costs. Well, no, you should just realize that longevity and the cost of care might completely wipe out any savings that you have. And and we really do need to incorporate some version of long-term care insurance into your plan. Myth number five, my situation is simple and I, I don't need formal estate planning documents. Well, the answer is yes, every adult, even over age 22, needs some form of estate planning. And the documents might vary for each family, but we do need to protect ourselves and our families, which is why we do need to incorporate having an estate plan in your situation. Well, so how are you thinking about your financial plan? I imagine one of these areas resonated with you, and I hope this helped to debunk a lot of the myths surrounding retirement planning. Do you have questions on your specific situation? Well, feel free to reach out to me directly at thejohnchapmanshow at gmail.com. And with that, we'll see you on next week. Thanks for tuning in to The John Chapman Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. We encourage your questions, comments, and feedback. For additional information, check out thejohnchapmanshow.com or look for John on LinkedIn and Twitter. See you next week.